When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I found my way back to a higher ground Yeah, I just want to feel alive Welcome to Higher Ground with Julian King uh, hello, everyone. Welcome along to High Ground. It is Wednesday night. Jules, with you. Great to have you along wherever you are tuned in this evening. SEN 1170 in Sydney, SENQ 693 in Brisbane. Getting used to saying the, the daylight saving times. Just ticked over 10 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time, 9 o'clock for our Queensland listeners. Whether you are tuned in on SENQ 693 or indeed SEN 1620 or wherever you're tuned in across the globe via the SEN app, the open line number, should you like to join me, 1300 01170. The text line 0457. 736 736. Simon McLaughlin, sports editor or deputy sports editor of the Daily Telegraph, will join me shortly to look at tomorrow's back pages. There is plenty going on. And this was a big story today through breakfast, through mornings. We'll be filling in for Jimmy this afternoon. And that's got to do with Adam Zampa, who's been doing the media rounds today for Cricket Australia. He was their nominated person. I, I caught up with him this hour. But what I'll do, I'll replay that chat for you in the next hour of the program. But Malcolm Conn from the Herald uh, basically gives us the gist of what Zamps or Zorbs had to say about Pat Cummins and this issue of athletes having a view on social issues and taking a position on sponsorship dollars. And Conn writes, Adam Zampa has strongly supported Pat Cummins' progressive views on climate change after the test and one-day captain was wrongly implicated in the loss of Cricket Australia's $40 million major sponsorship deal with Alinta Energy. And that's an important thing to clarify to people. Say, oh, it's because Pat was outspoken, they pulled their sponsorship. No, 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 no. He just wants to have a chat about it. Zappa said, I've got some personal views about sponsors that we've got at the moment. The fact that Pat has started the conversation is great. As Australia prepare for their opening T20 World Cup match against New Zealand SCG Saturday sell out. And he says, I think there's going to be a collaborative approach between the players and Cricket Australia and sponsors. That's probably all I can really comment. We're hearing this term a bit, collaboration. Seems to be the way of this new regime with Pat Cummins as captain, McDonald as coach, Bailey as the head of selectors. Because George Bailey used that term when Pat Cummins was announced as the one-day captain, but he says he will take a collaborative approach. Obviously, heading into the next World Cup in 2023, well... You know, he's a bowler. They're going to manage the workloads. You can't be expected to play every game, in which case, who captains? Does Carey captain Smith or maybe Warner if he is cleared to captain again? Collaboration's not a bad thing, but the nine papers revealed on Monday that Cummins had raised concerns with Cricket Australia's chief executive, Nick Hockley, over the fact that Alinta's parent company, Pioneer Sale Holdings, had been listed as one of Australia's highest carbon emitters. But Cricket Australia has insisted that at no point did any conversation between Pat Cummins and Nick Hockley, who's the CEO of Cricket Australia, influence Alinda's decision to finish its sponsorship with Cricket Australia in June 2023. Important point to clarify. People are saying, well, Cummins is having a say. No, no, he's voiced his concerns, but he certainly didn't influence their decision. So players will continue to wear the Alinda logo on their shirts. Cummins has withdrawn from the TV advertisement this season. Cricket Australia contracts strongly compel players to support sponsors, although although there is a clause that allows ex, uh, exceptions. 
And that applies to Usman Khawaja and Fawad Ahmed, who, as you know, didn't wear alcohol advertising playing for Australia because of their religious beliefs. So that was an exception, a clause in their contract. But then what else does it apply to? Because it seems to be applying here. Some kind of objections to the climate policy or lack thereof of particular energy companies. So a number of Australian players have got very strong views on climate change. Zampa at the forefront. He's a vegan, Adam Zampa. Jason Gillespie, Kane Richardson's a vegan as well. But as he told me, and as I said, I play it in the second half of the program, he said, we are more than commodities. We're the organ commodities. And that was really in, the, in response to a lot of critics that say that players should be seen and not heard. And it takes me back to Fox News commentator Laura Ingram. And her remarks to basketball star LeBron James, she says, shut up and dribble and became the subject of a whole series and the shut up and dribble. It's like, well, no, I won't shut up and dribble. I've got a platform here. I'm going, to, I'm going to leverage my celebrity to become a force for good and a force for change. And what's wrong with that? I, just, I don't see an issue with that. You're hearing these terms woke thrown around and snowflake thrown around. I, I don't understand what the issue is by them starting a conversation. I honestly don't. He's right, Zampa. Sport can be a vehicle for change. We live in different times. Players and athletes are only now realising their own power and influence. So, no, I don't have an issue with players and athletes speaking about issues they feel strongly about. A lot of people are triggered by Cummins. You know, he's woke. I mean, this is it's such a lazy and misused term. As I said, all, all he's doing is starting a conversation. That's literally all he's doing. <coughs> and we should be mature enough to have a dialogue about these things. You know what? It's great. Thank you for the sponsorship dollars. Look, I'm a little concerned about your emissions. Sit down. You know, can we do something about it? No more, no less. That's what the netballers will be doing with Hancock prospecting. Get get the parties to a table of concerns. It's actually quite progressive. Anyway, still on cricket, the World Cup, Scotland and Ireland. The great rivals played a pretty fun game earlier tonight. Ireland won by six wickets, six balls remaining. Of course, Scotland slayed the West Indies just the other night. They're currently in action against Zimbabwe, and uh, I can tell you, Zimbabwe 7 for 100, target 154. There's about, what, five and a bit overs to go, so I think West Indies are going to claim this particular game, in which case it's going to be even Stephen in Group B. In Group B. In Group A, by the way, Netherlands on top with Namibia second. Sri Lanka will have to get their skates on. They will need to beat top place Netherlands, who can still technically miss it. So it's going to be interesting, and, of course, now, these are the glorified qualifiers, and then the winners go into, uh, well, a Group A, Group B. What are they called? Group now? What are they called, Multi? Group called... A, Group B. Another Group A, Group B. Yeah. Okay, there you go. I'll imagine it if. Australia still yet to determine. Oh, yes. Just on that uh, backup wicketkeeper. Did you see this, Josh Inglis? Poor bloke. I mean, this is almost this is almost Johnny Bairstow areas. Josh Inglis is under an injury cloud after suffering a freak golfing injury on Wednesday. So, so, well, you know, you shouldn't be playing golf before before a big tournament. <laughs> well, he's not named to start. Uh, poor Josh English sent to hospital <coughs> after cutting his right hand when a golf club snapped in his hand, attempting a shot down the fairway. I've hit a 1,000 golf balls. I've never had a club snap. Sorry, I lie. Gordon Golf Course, I did, but because I hit a tree hitting a fairway, wouldn't it? Just that the head came off because I hit something, but not, it's just not mid-swing. Straight off. So poor Josh English sent to hospital and cut his hand. Australia still yet to determine the severity and whether a replacement would need to be called into the squad. If English was ruled out, Ben McDermott, you think, would be the favourite to come in. 
unless unless and Ben Horn has his story. Get, selectors gambled on not having a reserve keeper for first choice clubman Matt Wade and instead bringing Cam Green. Can he keep Cam Green? We know he's got long levers. He can do pretty much everything else. I'm not sure he's a keeper. Not sure he's a keeper. And as I said, not the first freak golfing injury involving a cricketer at this World Cup. After Johnny Bairstow was ruled out following a horrific accident. Bairstow broke his leg. Ouch. So not the ideal preparation for the World Cup for poor Josh Inglis. 0457 736 736. Now to the other World Cup, the Rugby League World Cup in England. Mal Meninga has named six debutants in his side to face Scotland in Australia's second group stage clash. So Nathan Cleary is going to wear the number 14. But he will be kangaroo number 841. Liam Martin, Isaiah Yeo will wear the famous green and gold strip for the first time. Yet locking the scrum in number 24, Isaiah Yeo. Matt Burton, Campbell Grave, Lindsay Collins, they will also debut. So congratulations to all of those gentlemen. It's a big moment to debut for your country. So Collins, Collins is going to come off the bench. Matty Burton being picked to play in the centres ahead of Graham, who will sit outside Jack Wyden on the wings. So Campbell Graham there on the wing. Uh, if he didn't get picked, he was going to play for Scotland, I think. Campbell Graves, so he's playing against the country of his heritage. So Cleary takes Daly Cherry Evans to spot a halfback. Martin and Yeo will take their places in the back row. Cherry Evans remains in the side. He is 18th man. Jeremiah Nanai, the young gun, 19th man. And Mal basically explained that, well, this clash will also serve as a selection trial, hoping to finalise his side as they move past the group stage. And I actually don't know if Mal knows which way he's going to go with regards to his halfback. You'd think it has to be Cleary. And the defence of Cherry Evans is, well, you, you pitched this Queensland combination, don't you? Well, you've got Harry Grant, you've got Cam Munster. You know what, I think they're that good. Cleary, Munster, these guys, they can play together. <coughs> they can play together. And he said it was ideal for the grand final players to have a rest. Looking forward to seeing them play against Scotland. He said he was pleased with his performance against Fiji. He says, I know we need to improve throughout the tournament. We have new players this week. Continue to build combinations and so on and so forth. So Jack Wyden will start for the first time this World Cup. Regan Campbell-Gillard, Pat Carrigan forge a new front row partnership. And then after Harry Grant's, uh, well, some say he should have been man of the match ahead of Cam Munster against Fiji. He has earned the starting spot. Ben Hunt shifts to the bench. Val Holmes, Jake Trebojevic will also be used as interchange players against Scotland after starting the Kangaroos' first game. Tonga defeated PNG 24 points to 18 this morning. Pretty good game of footy. And tomorrow morning, we've got 5.30am Eastern Daylight Time. Wales take on Cook Islands. Adam Dewey has been suspended for giving a gobful to Grant Atkins. Milford's been suspended as well. And just before we get to Simon McLaughlin, uh, this was a big win, a much-needed win, considering how much had been in the news for issues not on the court. And I speak about the netballers, the Diamonds. Well, they've kept their Constellation Cup hopes alive. Remarkable scenes. They put New Zealand in an absolute chokehold, 62 to 47. This win in Melbourne, comprehensive in the end. So they were shock losers, as you know, in the first two games. They blew the Silver Ferns away. A 13-goal cumulative series lead they had, and now it's gone because it's a 15-goal win. So they're back in the black, which is good. So they only need to win in game four on the Gold Coast to reclaim the Constellation Cup. Joe Weston, the defender, returned. The introduction of Sophie Garbin proved the difference for the first two games. The first international match on Australia. I didn't realise this. The first international match on Australian soil in more than 1,000 days. Liz Watson, player of the match, and she's been in the news, almost sort of the unofficial spokeswoman for this whole dispute between Netball Australia, the players, and Hancock prospecting. So nice to see her not been affected by that extra media scrutiny, she became player of the match. So well done to her. one 300 the open line number, should you like to be your call. And the text line, 
0457 I haven't spoken to this man for quite a while. I haven't had to sit in the higher ground chair for quite a while, but I'm pleased to say that he's back. The Deputy Sports Editor of the Daily Telegraph, Simon McLaughlin, is on the line right now. Hello, Smack. Hi, g'day, Jules. How are you doing? Um, we are surrounded by World Cups everywhere. World Cups wherever you look, left, right, up, down, it doesn't matter in Australia, in England. Hey, what about your man, Matty Burton, getting his debut? Congratulations to him. Yeah, yeah. One of, a great utility player at um, rep level and a sensational number six at club level. That's right. Man, we've been inundated today about you know whether athletes should be speaking up about social issues and whether they should have a say in the sponsorship and just it doesn't end. It's, it's a different time we live in though. For me, that's the long and the short of it. Agree or disagree? I mean, mm-hmm. you got a generation now that have grown up in social media. They realise that you know you don't rely on legacy media necessarily to get your voice out, and they're they're educated. You know, they're global citizens. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're we're seeing a lot of these well once deemed, I guess sideline issues now very much mainstream causes. We can't escape it. I, I think, I mean, I don't know where you stand on this, but I, I don't see what's so triggering about somebody like Pat Cummins saying, you know, we've got to do more to reduce our carbon footprint. I'll enter energy are the sponsors, Absolutely. but they're polluters. I mean, you know, he just wants to sit down and, and have a discussion, have a dialogue about it. You know, there's, as has been misreported, you know, they didn't pull the sponsorship because of his comments. And likewise, the suggestion that Netball Australia, the netballers are holding Hancock prospecting to ransom and, None of that is true. They just said, we just want to sit down and talk. Well, look, I, I really welcome this sort of conversation from guys like Pat Cummins who, and Adam Zampa, who you said before. Um, they're, they're interested in the in the topic that they're talking about. They're motivated. They know they've got the platform. So I, I think it's great that you hear from Cummins and Zampa. It's the, the problem I have is where you get uh, guys like Kyrie Irving who told the world that uh, the world was flat for a few years there. And, um, <laughs> what do they say? That flat yeah. earthers have members all over the globe. <laughs> <laughs> that's where that's where things start to fall apart. But, yeah, it's, it's great to um, great to hear from guys like Cummins because, you know, it wasn't that long ago all I would ever say was, you know, when, you know, 110% and, uh, you know, doing it for the team or whatever. Yeah, so credit, full credit to the boys and, you know. That's what, yeah. I'm with you, mate. I'm with you. And if people just seem sort of really outraged by this, I said, you know, this is, it's a different time. It's a different time. They've found their voice. You know, I don't believe in silencing anyone. You put yourself out there, yeah, you have to expect backlash and criticism. I think he's educated enough to handle it. And he wouldn't have done it if he didn't expect that. You know, he's, he's no fool, Pat Cummins. Okay, now this is interesting. I saw this sort of crop up in conversation today. It's been a big bugbear of people with you know, signing contracts a year out, the November 1 deadlines, and then you get situations that Isaiah Papali's think, oh, I don't know if I want to go there anymore. And, mm. you know, if there's a change of coach, every player who signed a year out is going, you know, will you still go there in spite of the fact that Madge is not the coach and whatnot, and, you know, or Trent Barrett's not the coach. But NRL players now will only be able to sign with the club in the final year of their contract under a proposal to the current transfer system with a trade window look to be put in place. Uh, a lot of people have been that's, calling for this. Yeah, look, that's right. It's it's been a little farcical over the past few years where you've got players signing for new clubs 14 months out. So you get these crazy situations where, um, you know, say uh, Reid Marnie, um, you know, pa- Parramatta has sort of cheered him on all the way to the grand final the entire season 
knowing that he was going to leave at the end of the year. Um, that it really has um, wound people up. So in a week and a half, we get another 200 players uh, are allowed to sign for another club, not for next year, but the year after. And we'll go through this again. And there's some really high-profile players on that list, guys like Matt Burton, who you mentioned, and Dylan Brown from the Eels. So um, uh, the NRL has put a proposal to the Players Association as part of their collective bargaining talks that it's time to win that and introduce the trade win- uh, trade window system that basically starts as soon as the grand final's over and finishes the Monday before round one, um, which seems pretty sensible and obvious to me. Um, There'd be other um, opportunities for players to move outside that window um, as long as there were mutually agreed contract releases. Um, but the suggest the, the proposal is, is that once Origin 3 is finished, that's it for player movements, and you've got who you've got. So um, it sounds quite sensible to me, and it, when I think back to all the situations that seem to anger fans, um, you had like Matt Lodge moving from the Warriors to the Roosters seemed to really um, annoy people. Um, was one of those ones I remember the year before. Tavita Pangai just kind of inject, was just injected into what became uh, a premiership-winning team at Penrith. Um, so you wouldn't be able to do that either. Um, so it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, tra- trade windows work in sporting competitions all over the world. So it seems uh, a little insane that they haven't been able to do this what, I'd be curious to know what the Players Association think of this, because Clint Newton's been asked about this, and he, he seemed lukewarm mm. on it, like there was no yes. great need for change, and his response was, well, it doesn't sort of end the speculation. No, that's, look, that's right. Clint, Clint's job is to support, you know, the best deal for the players, and often, and as much movement as possible is often what works out for the players. Yeah, good they point. Can, can negotiate whatever they want, but it, our our reporting on this is that um, the players are quite open to it. Um, it provides stability mm. as much as anything. So um, I think that might be what the, the players respond to in a positive way. Um, and look, in the end, as we, we often say, the, the people, group of people forgotten in all these things are the fans, and I think they're probably the ones that this suits the best. Yeah, I think they'll be big, big supporters of this move if it does indeed come to pass. Now, Australia, apparently this surprises me, and I don't know who's responsible mm. when it comes to the organisation here, but Australia's been handed the worst travel schedule of all 12 teams at the T20 World Cup. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we've crunched the numbers on this, and uh, in the next, uh, the, the first um, set of games group games in this sort of 12 to 13 day period, um, Australia will have to travel nearly 9,000 kilometres as we bounce in through all of the main cities in Australia, playing New Zealand in Sydney, uh, a group game in Perth, one in Adelaide, uh, one in Melbourne and one in Brisbane. Uh, we're the only country, uh, sorry, yeah, the only team that will be uh, travelling that far uh, in comparison, uh, New Zealand, who we're playing first up, will be travelling just over 3,000 k's, so about a third less than uh, than we will be in the exact same period of time. Uh, I guess that's the result of 
being being Australia, and you want to sort of take it around to all the, the cities, you know, the that, national team. Yeah, look, that's right. And 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 people would say that makes sense, but um, look, Aaron Finch has already said that um, a lot of the players are quite weary before we're talking to even young, and they they've sort of chopped and changed a lot of the players throughout, and this might be part of the reason why they've been doing that. And so you've got a squad of players who've all played quite a lot recently. A lot of the other teams have sort of stuck to the same 11 mostly and probably will for the duration of the group stages. Uh, so, you know, good and bad. We we, we could, uh, the extra travel could be wearying, but um, we'll have a lot of blokes who have played a lot of matches um, at hand and we can pick it in stage. So yeah. it's, it makes for a really interesting graphic in the paper tomorrow. Um, it does seem quite unfair, but um, we'll have to see how, how it goes. It is, you know, our conditions. So, uh, huge advantage. Yeah, huge. Yeah, absolutely right. Hey, what about Josh Inglis? I mean, far out. Couldn't have come at a worse time. Mm. Have you ever had a golf club snap on you, Simon? No, I've seen, I've been uh, in groups where, uh, blokes, you know, I played at Royal Sydney once. So I don't want to sort of drop, drop a fancy golf course on you there, but I yeah. did play at Royal Sydney once. I've played and, there uh, too, Royal I was, Sydney. Yeah, well, I was so nervous on the first tee and the, the, the bloke had invited me with really, really snazzy golfer and could whack the ball. And off the first tee, the head of his club broke off and uh, flew yeah. into the toilet block. Um, <laughs> it went further than the ball. Is that right? Okay. I remember it was years ago I was scheduled to play. Reedy was meant to show up and he pulled out at the last minute. And um, I was playing with oh, yeah. uh, golf journal Evan Priest. Um, I managed to par the first. You know what everyone's watching is, dear Lord, if I just hit one good one, the first, the absolute first, just let me hit it straight down the middle of the field. And I did, now thankfully, <laughs> you know, because it could have been a long, embarrassing day. Uh, but, yes, we did win a modified stable. For lovely course. Uh, not particularly yes, long. It is. It's lovely, yeah. It is lovely, yeah. Ahead of the membership fees are a bit out of my reach, however. Yeah, you and me both. Yeah, I'm, you're sort of more the, the goat <laughs> track at Marrickville. That's about our standard, I think, mate. Yeah, oh. that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, while we're on cricket, now this is fascinating. I, I know this has sort of been mentioned in dispatches previously, but David Warner uh, signed to write an autobiography, but it is believed he will spare Australian cricket the brutal ball tampering expose that they have long feared. Few for them, I suppose. Exactly. It, I think everyone's anticipated that at some point at the end of David Warner's career, he's going to spill his guts on what happened in Cape Town. Uh, so his manager, James Erskine's confirmed that he's had a book deal signed up years ago, um, but that uh, it won't be published until after he's retired. But Erskine seems to suggest that uh, all those gritty, dirty details of what happened in Cape Town, and who knew and who was responsible, will stay a secret if Warner has anything to do with it. Now, I'm not sure I care to read a book that doesn't have those sorts of details in it. How many more but, would he um, sell if he spilt the beans? That's a thing. But, you know, I wonder how many bridges he'd burn, how many relationships he'd destroy. I mean, you know, this this is the thing. Who knew? Those two words, who knew? Because Cricket Australia actually didn't really want to know. Their, their ham-fisted investigation, which, oh, yeah, just they only looked at that. Only that match. They didn't care to know if it's ever been done before. They, oh, yeah, sweet. Okay, yep. Slap, wrap you over the knuckles and sweep it under the rug and let's never talk about it again. You know, There was so much mm. denial from Cricket Australia here. So much. Absolutely. 
Well, this it seemed like this is our opportunity for for those sorts of things, uh, you know, for us to get around all of that. But Erskintel says in the story that when he retires from cricket, he'll have 30 years of his working life life left, and you want to be respected. It takes a big man to not say a word and to keep mm. your mouth shut. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, we're outsiders and. It looks like he's been walking back from the fold and, and everything seems pretty hunky-dory, but who knows? I mean, Cameron Bancroft, I remember, he said, well, I think the bowlers probably knew about it. Michael Clark said, oh, there's no way the bowlers didn't know about it. The bowlers go, hang on, no, 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 no. Don't throw us on the bus mm. to say about we knew about it because they strenuous, strenuously deny knowing anything about it. The ball didn't reverse anyway. The umpires didn't even see fit. They looked at the ball, didn't notice, notice anything underwards. So, I mean, who knows? Mm. Who knows? Yeah. I guess we'll never know. It's, it certainly seems that way, which... As a journalist, I find very frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, West Indies have defeated Zimbabwe by 31 runs. A lot of yellow on display tonight, I've got to say. Are you going to get out to any of the World Cup, Simon? Uh, look, I, I'm not totally sure if I'll be able to. Um, there's a lot of rain uh, <laughs> forecast as well. So I hear, yeah. Saturday. Uh, and then Melbourne, um, I mean, 100,000 MCG, yeah. India, Pakistan. You know, it's one of the great rivalries. Yeah, we're, look, we're, they're saying that that could, could cost the tournament $4 million yeah. um, if they have to refund seats, $100,000 seats. But anyway, yeah. Well, I think you only, to, need, uh, the organizers. you only need five and over, I think, don't you, for a, a T20 game to go ahead, which is kind of absurd, really. But, yeah, five overs aside mm. will qualify, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like a proper match. It feel anyway. like it'll rob us of something, wouldn't it? But just imagine the atmosphere would be really... Anyway, there's nothing like having a, a World Cup on home soil. Thank you, mate. We'll catch all of those stories in tomorrow's Daily Telegraph. Cheers, Jules. Here is Simon McLaughlin, Deputy Sports Editor of the Daily Telegraph. 0457 736 736, the text line number. Breaking back with more high ground. So the Windies beat Zimbabwe by 31 runs in this World Cup qualifier. This is in Group B. Interesting point made by Tim Wigmore, who's a cricket writer. I think he writes for The Independent in the UK. And I, this didn't even cross my mind. He said Scotland and Zimbabwe are the top two in their group. So both would go through to the Super 12s if their matches were abandoned on Friday. So you heard me talk to Simon McLaughlin, expecting a bit of rain around him. But yes, if the matches were abandoned on Friday, they would go through. That's why, I mean, you think about that loss to Scotland, how crucial it was. And likewise, Sri Lanka's loss to Zimbabwe. Sorry, Zimbabwe, to um, Namibia. Everyone expected them to win. I remember on the Sundays going, yeah, they'll win this easily. You know what? Never go the early crow. Just end up embarrassing yourself. 0457 736 736. You had some NBA action today. You got all underway. Uh, the Warriors, too good for the Lakers. What is going with the Lakers? I don't know. But the Warriors, 123 over the Lakers, 109. And then Boston over Philly. Boston, 126 have defeated the Philadelphia 76ers, 117. So 126 over the Sixers, 17. Just having a look here at the Aussies. Uh, Matisse Seibel played zero minutes. Zero minutes, Matisse Seibel. So, yeah, no Aussies, but are really looking forward to seeing Ben Simmons in action and see how he goes. I wonder if he's... It could be a good redemption's tale. But the other thing, too, I mean, if, if even if you don't like Ben Simmons, I, I want him to do well because he represents Australia. I'd love him to go to the next Olympic Games. I think Australia have a very decent side. But you think if any team he's going to be at, it might as well be Brooklyn because of the Paddy Mills thing. Remember when he first came out, they're getting booed. Paddy said, I'll walk by your side, mate. I've got your back, brother. 
I've got your back. So, yes, uh, Major League Baseball as well tomorrow. This is going to be a big game. Astros and the Yankees. So the Yankees threw after defeating the Guardians 5-1 today. So I've won that series 3-2. So they now play the Houston Astros. And then we've got the Padres and the Phillies. The Phillies lead that series 1-0 after knocking off the Padres to runs to nil earlier today. And in the NFL, just charging through here, the Chargers 19 over the Broncos 16 yesterday. Uh, sorry, Monday that was. Uh, no, that was yesterday, the Eagles-Cowboys. That was a big game there on Monday. And looking ahead to tomorrow, just bring that up in front of me. Da, 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 da. No, I'll, I'll run through the rest of those fixtures a bit later on, week seven of 18. Apologies, not tomorrow, Friday. I should have said. And Sheffield Shield results as well. New South Wales, Queensland. Queensland trailed by 27 runs. That game at Dremoyne Oval. WA and Victoria. Victoria trailed WA by 20 runs. They've got South Australia and Tasmania. Tasmania won by seven wickets with 99 balls to spare. 0457 736 736. Breaking back with more. Just interviewing Alzari Joseph. Just had a look at his figures. Four for 16. Gee, four for 16 are four overs. My goodness. No wonder he was player of the match. 0457 736 736. You're on high ground. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. How does this segment work again, multi-mad Russian? I give you a statement, Julian. You agree or usually disagree it's with me. It's all coming I'm back to me now. Very, very glad to be back with yeah, you on this like, Wednesday evening. Thank you, my friend. Likewise, like Celine Dion song, isn't it? It's all coming back to me. <laughs> is that Celine Dion? I, I think. You're going oh, before God my time, over me. my head. I was thinking it was like a comfortable pair of slippers getting back into this segment. It's just nice, easy. Hopefully it's as enjoyable to listen That's to as m- it is to put together. That is a much, much better analogy. Well, you know, tr- it's interesting. Yeah, well, at least you've heard of Celine Dion. Yes. Yeah, and the, well, the reason I bring this up is because um, uh, Charles Goodsir, you know, Two Buck Chuck, a.k.a. Charles yes. in Charge, has been working with me on the afternoon program while Jimmy's been doing a bit of brekkie and while Coach K's been gallivanting around the globe. Mm. Uh, he had no idea that Ron Howard was Richie in Happy Days. Is that how, right? How does one not know that? Oh, and I don't buy the excuse. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't born in Happy Days, but I, I'm aware mm. of it. Yeah, one of the all-time great television. But shows. But he'd heard of the and show Charles in Charge. Oh no, Charles in Charge. So you know Charles in Charge. Mm. With, but not cheat. Oh, it's Scott but Bayo. Not Happy Days. So you know Scott Bayo was in Charles in Charge. But, but you have Ron no Howard. idea that the great director Ron Howard mm. was Richie. He's basically the second most prominent character after Fonzie, right? Mm. Prolific uh, worker with uh, Tom Hanks now, Ron Howard. Oh, yes, yeah. Well, it has been for a while since yes. Splash. Tom exactly. Hanks and they did Hanna. the Da Vinci Codes and um, Angels and Demons. Oh, fun movies. Good books, too. Yeah, okay. Easy, easy to read with lots of chapters. So Absolutely. You feel smart. Exactly right. Okay, so, number one. Go. Trying to make me feel smart. Mm. So, players off contract. November 1's coming around. We're going to start two weeks early. Latrell Mitchell, biggest name off contracts. Coming up 2023, he'll stay put at the Rabbitohs beyond the end of his contract in 2023. I agree. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. So All you, set up you, for him there, you isn't move, it? You, you, yeah, yeah. He wants to stay. You've mm. got to keep Latrell Mitchell. Did, he's your man. Do they need to bump his pay? Remember he came over on a – he actually took a pay cut yeah. to go to the Rabbitohs from the Roosters? I think they will. Mm. I think they will. And they should. I think that was the handshake agreement. Yeah, when he moved and look, across at, that eventually he would be on fullback money. Yeah, there is that, and on top of that, you find now a lot of these contracts been written have ratchet clauses because they don't know what the salary cap's going to be. But yes. there is an assumption that the cap will go up, and so mm. well, if it goes up, then I want this. You know, percentage. my yes will in- increase mm. as a percentage of that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. On the other side, 
Luke Brooks and Adam Dwayhe. Is that the flip side? They're on the flip now, side. Have we established it as Dwayhe? So apparently this... Vo- Vossi I was listening was, to Vossi yeah. talking about this during the Lebanon game that Adam has requested his name be said like that during the World Cup, but he's not too fussed away from that, I think was Vossi's explanation. Tomato, tomato. That's interesting. Dwayhe, if, you know, stick with it. You know, if that's how it's said properly. But anyway. No, it's, oh, this is not what I don't understand. I mean, it is your name. How do you want your name exactly to be right. said? Exactly right. How do you want your name to be said? Adam, so I'm calling him Dwayhe. Uh, he and Luke Brooks will both have signed contracts elsewhere, and I'm going to go even earlier. I think they're going to have their new contracts signed before Christmas. I think we'll know whether they'll be at the West Tigers or not. Uh, uh, agree. I mm. think I think Brooks will go to Newcastle. I agree. Um, there's a bit of chatter around. You know, it's, it's been around for a while, and then, you know, um, Tim Sheens is adamant. No, 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 he's, he's got a place here. Wanted to stay. Oh, I think he'll go. Mm. I mean, I don't know. I, I was adamant that Funster was going to end up with the Dolphins, so what yeah. the hell do I know? Yeah, he knocked back 5.6 mil over four years. I wouldn't be surprised if one of those two end up up there. What, at, uh, at Redcliffe? Redcliffe? Just yeah. the Wayne Bennett factor. I think there's more money to be given to them, mm. considering the signings the Dolphins have already made. I'll tell you uh, what. I don't think it's at... the longest bow to draw. You know, who's who's making a name for himself this World Cup is Isaiah Katoa, the 18-year-old yes. half. He seems a real Shrewd player. piece of business. A real player. Mm. You know, Penrith didn't want to lose him. No. You know, and Penrith, you know, if Penrith want to keep him, they know that he's got mm. something. You know, Sean O'Sullivan, they lost as well. Mm. So there's, there's two from Penrith. And I did hear today when I spoke to Adrian Pashenko that uh, Jack Cogger is on their radar. So they want to back up half to Cleary and to Kurt Falls. So Jack Cogger. Losing Sean O'Sullivan next year as well, of course. Yes, to so, the Dolphs. To the Dolphs. Mm. So, yeah. That system at Penrith is so good. They'll find someone to fill in. Kurt Falls still there as well. Is a perfectly serviceable yep. uh, half for them there as well. Yep. Okay, so cricket. A Pakistani will have will be the leading run scorer at this World Cup. Now, I'm saying this because their opening pair of Baba Azam and Mohamed oh, Rizwan, Rizwan. Uh, two of the highest-rated batsmen yeah. in international T20 cricket, cricket, and it's his farcical that they are not allowed to play in the IPL still. Well, that's up to the BCCI. Mm. Um, look, I don't know. It's such a lot. How do you know? I, I'm going to say disagree. Okay. I'll say disagree. I'll this say Warner. I'll segment. say Warner will be the top side. Warner. A swan song? Not sure about that. Mm. I'd love it to be Finchy. Yeah. That'd be nice. I think Davey, Davey will want to get to that World Cup next year in India. Mate, he was he? written off before the last World Cup. Mm. Poor form going in yeah, and how right. good was he? You know? So, yeah, well, let's see. Mm. Uh, look, I don't know. Babrazam's a beautiful player. Mohamed Rizwan's an energetic player. Um, I mean, Azam is just Baba. Just most majestic, elegant, but he's elegant. Mm. You know, you'd watch him defend twenty balls. He's got the best cover drive in world cricket. Mm. Just you could just go to YouTube, Babrazam cover drive, and just watch him. Oh, that is gorgeous. I'm very keen to watch that game on Sunday night. Rain, rain, stay away from the S from the MCG. In fact, while we're on that, let's just go Melbourne weather. Weather. And I'll put in B O M, but you're not allowed to call it the bomb anymore, (laughs) even though it's W dot Bureau. Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Uh, Sunday, maximum 18. Cloudy, high chance of showers, most likely in the evening. Sounds like Possible Melbourne. rainfall, 1 to 5 mil, 80% chance of showers. So that says to me that there will be some cricket, but maybe not the full complement mm. of 40 overs. We could make it even more exciting. Okay, I'm going to go over to England, Possibly somewhere right. they're used to rain. Yep. Nathan Cleary, named to start 
for the Kangaroos against Scotland. He's going to start every game for the Kangaroos the rest of the World Cup. Disagree. I don't think it'll be every game. Mm. I'm trying to think. So they got Scotland, and after that, I don't have the draw in front of me. But um, so that because I think Mal's genuinely divided as to who is going to be his halfback. Did you think DCE? Uh, Scotland, DCE. then they've got Italy, so Italy the final game. Do you think DCE played that well against Fiji? I didn't. And I'm a Manly fan. I love Daly, but mm. I didn't think that was his finest Actually, performance. Actually, now I've got to think about it. I'd, why is it, Why would you bring Italy, him back right? in? Yeah, good point. There's no reason. I can see Mel doing it, but I, for me, Nathan Cleary, you've got him in that jumper now. No, nah, he's the premier halfback. Exactly. Be you know what? Just give him yeah, I'm with rhythm. you. No, no, I think that's it. Cleary, no. will, Cleary will dominate against Scotland as he should, and then uh, they'll pick him again. I'm proud of myself. I've changed your mind. Work on his combination with Cam Munster. Okay, finally, to round off all three World Cups, we've got the FIFA World Cup coming up on SEN every game from November 21st, kicking off with Qatar against Ecuador at 3 o'clock on that fabulous morning, which will be terrific. Can't wait. Brazil are going to win the World Cup. That's a tough question to answer. I haven't looked closely enough at the form. Mm. Suffice to say that they're always a team that figure. Brazil, mm. um, Germany tend to be a team that figures. Uh, Italy, but they're not there, mm. so that's a small impediment to them winning the World Cup. Well, and it's a big advantage to Brazil because there are only six, seven teams that can win the World Cup. How's Spain, tra- how Spain tracking, by the way? They're... Spain have got a young team. Uh, they're certainly not of the standard of the Xavi, Iniesta, David Villa no, sides sure. that were winning around the early 2010s, but uh, they've got a chance Argentina. to get deep. They're in Germany's group as well. Argentina have a, a tricky draw. They are due to beat Brazil in a semi-final if both won their group. And who are the other should. big England? Oh, sorry, England, not England. Who are the other big? Uh, well, England are a good chance. They're the best chance they've been they probably at a World Cup for a while. But you they've watch them been go in ballistic. Poor they win a couple of games. Yeah, you know, they've been in Southgate's problem at the moment. There's a lot of pressure. They've got on. an easy draw. They've got an early easy draw, which they always seem to get for some reason. Mm. Um, I, I think the winner will come from South America. It's been 10 years. The last time uh, Brazil did win the World Cup was in Korea, Japan, the last Asian World Cup. I think they're better adjusted to playing in these conditions. The yep. Europeans are going to come over playing uh, air-conditioned stadiums. They're going to be uncomfortable. I love Did I, love did I hear that uh, the air conditioning is actually quite cold? Yes. So it's very, very chilly. Arnie tells the story of them going in on a 40-degree day over in Qatar mm. and turning up in singlets and shorts to train and putting on one of his big puffer jackets halfway through the session. It was that cool. That can't be good for the body, though. Can it go from one extreme to the other? Well, the thing is they're going to be in air conditioning the whole time. Mm. If you think about it, I I don't know about the trainings and where they're going to base for training and that sort of stuff, but certainly the the game days, I think they'll be out for a, a walk quickly. This is the cool season in Qatar, so it'll only be 35 as opposed to 40. But um, it'll be a quick walk in the morning and then straight back into the hotel, I would think, and st- straight into an air-conditioned bus to the air-conditioned stadium. Okay. Just going to be interesting. Like logistical well, it's almost like it was challenge. a really bad idea to put the World Cup there. But yeah. Well, alas, here we are. Think. All right, mate. Break. Thank you. Breaking back with more. Hello, Bondi Jack. I always enjoy reading your text messages. They're so beautifully penned. Do you pen a text message? You know what I mean by that. I'll read that out in a moment, but in the meantime, one 300 Hello, Mark. Yeah, 
Listen, I just do what I'm told, mate. I just do what I'm told. Oh. You know, if if they yeah, say, you yeah. know, if if they sponsor me, I don't question the climate credentials of who they sponsorship. No, I'm joking. No, no, they just need a bit of double up. And I said, happy to, mate. Happy to. So, um, no, yeah, it's been a while. It's good, uh, it's, uh, I heard, I picked up on you talking to a friend about Ben Hornby being the, what would you say? You wouldn't say the worst half. Oh, that was that was today. You know, you know, who's having the argument with? Sort of a bit tongue in cheek. I just remember my my mate Christian Jansen, who I used to work with at the other station. I do the show with Christian, and and he said, "Ah, oh, Hornby." Uh, I don't know if "worst" was the right word, but you know, maybe his luckiest half back to win a premiership. And I said, "Come on, mate!" And I said, "He's played for New South Wales, played for yeah. Australia. You got to have him yeah, ahead yeah. of Shane Perry." And he conceded. I oh, think well. eventually he had him ahead of Shane Perry. Well, I remember the Ben Hornby story is a story of a bloke who was ragdolled by Wendell Saylor in yeah. the early 2000s. And when I look at that dragon side, and as you know, that dragon side that won the premiership was nowhere as talented as the ones from 04 to 06. Nowhere as talented. Mm. And uh, what Bennett did with that side was unbelievable. It was yep. unbelievable. What, especially Jamie Soward. Jamie Soward came there halfway through 07, 08 from the Roosters. And you look at the team, and, and you know, we're Dragons supporters, but I'll call it for what it is, probably the least talented premiership winning side in, in the 2000s, I reckon. Like, oh, look, I'd, um, I'd, have, to go through, I'd have to go through them again. But you know what? It's funny at the time, you probably don't realise, but... You know, history tends to judge teams a bit more kindly, doesn't it, doesn't it, Mark? I mean, I have a look at this back line. So Darius Boyd, fullback. Wingers, Morrison, Nightingale. Centres, Gaznier, Cooper, and then South and Hornby. It's a pretty decent back line. Certainly a centre three-quarter line. Yeah. Well, if you look at the spine, I'd say the spine, um, Dean Young was the hooker. Yeah. Um, they're probably... Uh, Darius Boyd was brilliant that year. but yeah, he um, was. We had a we had a really tough back row, especially Smith and Bo Scott. I remember they're outstanding. Yeah, but, yeah um, Jer- Smith was. You know that was Jeremy Smith, my wife. That she said, "Oh, he's my hall pass." He had a thing for Jeremy Smith. <laughs> but yeah, Bo Scott and Benny Cray, uh, Neville Kofskin played. I think played the front row. I mean, those no yeah, more as a back row, and, and Mick Wayman. Mick Wayman and Jared Saffy. There's one that people forget. But, yeah, um, he went to rugby, Jared Saffy. Yeah, yeah, but um. Just another thing, Julian, um, Samoa. Honestly, I have ne- not seen a more pathetic effort it's horrible. from a side since since the Broncos in their wooden spoon year. Uh, you know that what? It's, did, they, did they forget to tackle? Or maybe they just didn't care? They just looked like they were... It was like a training oh. run. They hadn't met each other. So you are not focused on this game. You are not up for this game. You know what? You get found out at that level pretty quickly. It doesn't matter. I don't care who you've got on paper. If you're not showing up and you're not putting in, well, you're going to get found out. Well, I'll be honest. I wanted England to win for the tournament's sake. So mm. I was hoping England would win. And I like watching England play because you've got players that you haven't heard of or that you haven't seen. And there's always something, a bit of nostalgia about them playing over in England. So I like that. But i tell you what, there were some players in that side that, Really showed how well Nathan Cleary is as a player. Yeah, they they, they made Nathan Cleary look even better. 
Yeah, like half a grand final backline. You're right. Like, oh. Have you guys met each other? Have you played with each other before? Like the yeah, left hand yeah, didn't know what the right hand was doing. You know, Milford didn't have a great game. You know, the, the knock on them was that they probably don't have a, a game manager. And, you know, in clearly you've got arguably the best in the whole competition or the whole world. So oh, I get that. But, you know, you lose fair enough, but you don't lose to the tune of 60 points to six, Mark. You just don't. And, and, and P&G were great this morning. Oh, geez, I love watching them play. Yeah, I the really cool. what Papua New Guinea play. It's you a know, good game of footy, wasn't it? Yeah, I still enjoy it. I still remember um, back in the day, in, I think it was 1990 in Parks, there was some freezing... Brad McKay scored a hat-trick, I think. On and, debut. Um, that was his debut. You know who else debuted yeah, that Park. day? Spud Carroll. But, yeah, Spud Carroll did. That's right. He Can did. I, he did. Just, on but, that, um, just on that, my glad... Brad McKay once told me, he said it was the coldest he'd ever felt in his life. Like, he couldn't feel his feet. It was freezing. because they're meaningful tournaments. And I really enjoyed the last one where Australia won against odds. But uh, the thing about it is, is you can enjoy it, but you, I've forgotten about it 10 minutes later, honestly. And there's another game around the corner, particularly at domestic level. I don't mind it, but it is big, big business. Big business. It's the cash cow now in global cricket. You know, over in India, you know, back in the day, you know, in the 80s, domestic cricket accounted for probably less than 10% of the income of the board. Now it's 75 to 80%. It's just astonishing. And and the, the amount of dollars pumped into it through private investment is frightening. Yeah, oh, to be honest, I think T20 has made the 50-over game more enticing, to be honest. I'd rather watch a 50-over game. It's kind of the happy medium, isn't it? And the thing about it is, the 50-over game, that there's a, a place small for players like Steve Smith like your noodlers, the ones that sort of manipulate the field, are good at finding the gaps, the ones and twos, that rotate the strike, that aren't the big boundary hitters, uh, but can bat deep and go at a run a ball and, and build innings and let people sort of hit around them. Because you've got time. And you've got time to recover too from, from a few quick wickets. And that's the other thing. So there's a bit more kind of nuance to it. Yeah, definitely. Well, you, there's, there's risk and reward because... You can't go too hard because you've got that 50 overs. You, and you've still got, you only got 10 wickets. Whereas, mm. you know, it's just a baseball on when you watch two. Yeah, slogfest boundary counts. Will I watch it? You know what? You know what? I, I probably will. Of yeah. course I can watch it. But I just, like you said, Julian, you just, yeah, you'll blink of an eye and, you know. Some of the moment. skills. You don't work too hard. Yeah. Well, the thing about it is, Mark, I mean, some of, the, some of the skills are pretty impressive, right? Some of the shot making, you think, wow, I mean, you know, look how cleanly this player's hit that ball or how did they reverse that from there? You, you've got to marvel at the skill set. And a lot of them have brought that in. You're seeing now with this generational shift, they're bringing in these shots and scoring rates into the test arena, which I think is good for that form of the game. Um, so I do see the benefit of it. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm not one to poo-poo stuff, but I certainly have my preferences. But uh, 
you know, there are there are positive elements to that format of the game. Well, definitely, and and like, I suppose it brings me back to to my two favourite cricketers that Australia's ever produced. Firstly, the number one sportsman that I've ever liked as an Australian is Alan Border, without doubt. Yeah. Alan Border, what he did in the eighties and nineties cannot be underestimated. What that man did and scored hundreds against the best attacks in the world never be forgotten. Oh no, I get it. And Adam Gil, and Adam and Adam Gilchrist was that's where an average really doesn't tell the story, does it, Julian? Mm. Because he was just entertainment. He was entertainment. He um he used and, to watch uh, Gilly play great cricket when he was playing in Sydney before he, he went to WA because he wanted to keep and he couldn't get a start ahead of Phil Emery. But um Richie Benno said of Gilchrist, he said he's the just the, the cleanest striker of a cricket ball he think he's ever seen. And Richie would have seen a few. And, and and you knowing him, he just seems like... Obviously, I don't know Adam Gilbert. He seems like the best bloke in the world. He yeah, just seems look, like such a good bloke. I don't, I don't know Adam. I've you know, met him and interviewed him, but, but I don't know him. But, yeah, lovely guy. Lovely guy. Decent fella. He just seems, like, very humble. Um, he, he comes... He's on... He's a TV. He's great in the media. And, um, anyway, Julian, you take care, mate. Will do, mate. And you. Drive safely. Good to hear from you, Mark. We'll speak soon. Thank you, mate, Mark. He always calls me this time. It's nice. You know, Mark, I'm going to have to start including you in the rundown, mate. I said, okay, we'll do this segment. We'll talk to this person here. And just before 11 o'clock, we'll, 11 o'clock, we'll go to Mark from Wollongong. Still got that PNG team. Alex Johnston, fullback. I mean, Nana McDonald's. What happened to Nana McDonald? Justin Olam. I mean, how good's Justin Olam? Lachlan Lamb. It's pretty decent names. And this name, it's interesting. Uh, a colleague of mine, Peter Basaltis, he works over at, at nine. He says, keep an eye on this player. An NRL club could, could do worse than sign him in the back row. And probably the best name in the tournament, the number 11, Nixon Putt. Nixon Putt. That is a beautiful name. He could be my new favourite player in the tournament. Kevin Appo. Is he related to, to Graham Appo? I'm going to look that up at the break. one 1170 The text line 0457 736 736. Uh, now, Bonajack says, Julian uh, Loaf. As I am to be contrarian with you. Thank you, be contrarian with me, Jack. I believe DCE may have legitimate claims and even expectations of uh, Hagen's number two jumper via the Wellington boots. <laughs> Cleary has the club form, but end of the day, DCE has engineered two of the past three Origin series over Cleary, the worst team ever status. Yeah, 2020 was pretty big, granted. I, I just think, you know, his form is too good to ignore now, Nathan. Mm. Uh, leaving a giant hole at elite level in Cleary's CV. And M.O., well, you've got even another crack. Jimmy Maloney would have walked those series in DC's incumbent. I'm a massive Jimmy Maloney fan. I know you are too. Uh, look, a big fan of DC, always have been. But Nathan's been the premier halfback for two years. Yes, I take your point, re-origin. You know, Joey said after origin, would have gone daily, but just the way he's finished the season. I mean, the grand final's a pretty big game to go back-to-back. I mean, that's got to count for something. And Jules, the pathetic lunatic CA board with no male ex-players on it. Is Casper on it now? He was and he's not anymore, is he? Again, demonstrates it reads the room about as well as Michael Hagen or Jane Hardlicker. Jane Hardlicker, the one that wouldn't get off the stage. Spoke for about five hours. Oh, seriously, get off. It's not about you. Imagine BCCI forcing India into three times the travel as New Zealand. Yeah, good point. But you've got to take, I mean, look, on home soil, everybody wants to see him though, don't they? I'm not sure it's going to be the 
impediment that some are suggesting it's going to be, though. How on earth we give a break to Emperor McGowan and his ignorant flock of Perth comrades is beyond me. They love him over there. You know what? They should just, they do, they love him. Like, he'll win the next 10 elections if he wanted to. I mean, they've got no opposition. Got a, they absolutely, he just said, you know what? COVID was going to shut off from the rest of the country forever. Perth are like, sweet. You say that now, but we don't give a stuff. We'll stay in Perth, walk around without a mask on. Yeah, it's beyond me. Even their greatest hero, Pikey, abandoned the godforsaken hole. Is he over here permanently now, Pikey? Be- yeah. Pikey in the last. Okay. Uh, strategy demanded the CA Muppet Sin McGowan's collectivist acolytes. The crumbs they deserve made life hard for England and India, but woke boy Paddy's woeful, rudderless convicts. Well, I mean, jumping the gun, but I wouldn't say they're rudderless. They're certainly not rudderless. Just on Perth, Saturday 22nd of October, England, Afghanistan. Tuesday 25th of October. Australia v the Group A first qualifier, whoever that may be. Thursday 27th, Pakistan versus Group A first qualifier. Then matches four and five, Pakistan again, so Pakistan get two, and then India. So you know, they've got to fly over there. Pakistan get two games there, India one, England one, Afghanistan one. I want Australia to win, but they're lukewarm favourites. I heard it, I think it was like an analytics company, Crick Visit might have been. They're looking at it and said they didn't rate, it's Australia probably the favourites, Shading England, although Reese Topley, their star bowlers out, unfortunately for them. But uh, no team, I think, was rated more than a 16% chance of winning. So work that out. Which is good for the tournament, of course. Now, just on Adam Dweehy, Stan Walsh says he's going to miss, as we know, Lebanon's critical World Cup clash against Ireland, uh, a game that will likely dictate their quarterfinal passage. It was found that he made derogatory slur to NRL referee Grant Atkins. Why would you make a derogatory slur to Grant Atkins? He's a lovely fellow, Grant. He was, I think, a student PE teacher at Parramatta Maris, and my wife was teaching there. Everyone loves Grant. So anyway, Adam unsuccessfully challenged his one-game suspension at a World Cup judiciary hearing. What about the charters? Not grade ones yet. They're grade A. Grade A charters. Not A grades. Uh, after hearing the UK, it had been sent off during Lebanon's first up 34-12 to 12 loss to New Zealand. According to the minutes of Dewey's hearing, Dewey's hearing, Atkins's match report alleged that Dewey said F me C towards him in response to what the West Tiger star believed should have been an escort penalty after the second half kickoff. He denied Atkins' assertion in response, claiming he had said, give us a effing call. Cedars captain Mitchell Moses backed up Dewey's version of events with his frustrated teammate yelling at him moments afterwards, F me challenged the decision. Anyway, the World Cup Judiciary Panel was comfortably satisfied <coughs> that Atkins was not mistaken about what was said with Dewey to miss Lebanon's clash with Ireland Monday morning, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. On-field audio of the incident was not made available. That's a sh- Due to a technical glitch. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. How disappointing, too. With Atkins claiming he told Dewey, you're not going to call me the C word while pointing to the player's tunnel. What was that show, Arrested Development? Jason Bateman and, and Will Arnett, and there was talking about the boat, and the boat's called the C word, T H E, then S E A. They were, goes, What do you got? The C word. What you call it? You call it the C word. What you, you called it the C word? It's very, very clever. Very clever. Uh, speaking of Lebanon, this is interesting in the telly about Michael Checker asking about uh, what coaches could successfully switch between rugby union and rugby league. Of course, he's coaching the Cedars in the World Cup, and he's also the Argentinian rugby coach. So is there a chance about him being a cross-code coach? I know Eddie Jones has very much expressed his love for the game and this, you know, this is, I think, pretty baseless rumours going around linking Eddie Jones to Manly. 
But he said here, check it, the guy can cross over, the guys can cross over, the guys can pick up the game and understand the looks of the game, the technical side of the game pretty quickly. They're the ones that will succeed. Show them a picture or video, they understand what's happening. The management of men, that is a transferable skill. That is true. It's more about clubs. It's not up to coaches. It's more about the clubs being prepared to look outside the box. I'm not sure if we'll see it happen. We may. I'd be very, very curious. He said, there are a lot of teams that aren't up there competing. I don't see what their fear is. Good point. But which coaches? He says, we scrimmaged with France on Tuesday, went to Bolton where they were. Trent Robinson loves all footy, and he worked with them at the Roosters too. Another example. He could easily come and coach rugby. So Michael Checker reckons Trent Robinson could successfully coach rugby. Great people skills. Guys follow him. He's a leader. Good at decision-making. But he went on to say, Michael Checker, if I was an owner of a club, I wouldn't have any concerns. When a guy has a successful track record as a coach like him, he could do it easy, especially with his connections of France from back in the day. And he's only young. He's only young too. So there you go. And the other one I mentioned, Craig Bellamy. Yeah, the usual suspects, really. The usual suspects. Now, uh, this is fun. I love this kind of stuff. Did you see this? Jamie Pandaram, The Telegraph. Sam Kerr is in the top 10. No Kyrgios. No Ben Simmons, no Pat Cummins, no Elise Perry, no Paddy Mills, no Emma McKean. All been snubbed in a new list of the world's most marketable athletes. That was a point of debate. Who heads the list? Mulgy, do you know who heads the list? The world's. World's. I'd have it a two-way tie, LeBron James and Cristiano Ronaldo. It's one of those. I'd go Ronnie. No, it's Cristiano. Yeah. Heads the list. Matilda's captain Kerr is ninth. Pipping 10th wow. place NFL legend Tom Brady. Only three other Aussies in the top 100. Minji Lee, Cam Smith, and Daniel Ricciardo. So this annual list compiled by Sports Pro. This is how they determine the rankings. It weighs performance, media and social media reach, salary, fashion influence, and philanthropy while marking down the so- those seen as risky to brand. So Novak Djokovic, after his uh, anti-vax stance, plummeted. Likewise, I think Aaron Rodgers is out of the top 100. But further to that, the top five, Ronaldo, Serena Williams, Lewis Hamilton, LeBron James, Lionel Messi, all aged 35 years or older. So there you go. All aged 35 or older. So Cam Smith, the highest paid Australian athlete after signing a deal with Live Golf, snuck into the top 100. Cam Smith, number 98. Now, Ben Simmons, by the way, the next highest paid Australian athlete, $45.36 million a year at the Nets as part of that trade deal with the Sixers. Who he's chasing for more than 20 mil, by the way, in unpaid wages. But, yep, didn't make it. Didn't make it. So that and the ensuing fallout with Philly fans has probably deemed him a brand risk. They're all brands now that are talking about their brands. So, yeah, top five, all over 35. Thank you, everybody, for keeping me company during the show tonight. Thank you to Alex. Thank you to Simon. Stay safe. Catch you next time. Bye-bye.